0: Welcome to the King's Anywhere Podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So this morning we are returning to our soundtrack for a live series. You remember we began it earlier this year with an in-depth look at Psalm 23, and what we're going to do over summer is we're going to be looking at some uh, of the individual Psalms, and today we are starting with Psalm 25, so if you would like to read along with me. I'm just going to read Psalm 25 to us, if you want to turn your Bible on, uh, and we'll read through. So, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame comes on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. So this is one of the Psalms of David. David is described in the Bible as being a man after God's own heart. Charles Spurgeon, who's getting a couple of mentions around kings at the moment, he's this famous preacher and author. He wrote an, an, an epic, really, uh, commentary on the Psalms called The Treasury of David, and in it, he describes Psalm 25 as being, as letting us see the very heart of the man after God's own heart. What Psalm 25 does is it gives us almost a model or, or a pattern of how David approaches the difficult and challenging times in his lives and how we get to approach the difficult and challenging times in ours. And there's so much that we could say about this, but the, the, it's the first few verses that really catch my attention in this psalm. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I trust in you. I wonder how easily do those words come to you this morning or whenever you're listening to this if you're listening on the podcast Lord I trust in you I wonder how easily does living those words out feel to you today there are some words that at times they can feel challenging to say and pray and at times even more challenging to live out in you Lord my God I put my trust I love that this psalm begins by repeating that the psalmist trusts in God Then it goes on to list some of the marvellous characteristics of God and it makes requests of him. And these aren't simple or straightforward requests that are being made either, are they? They are desperate heart cries. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Free me from my anguish. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. The whole tone of this psalm makes it evident that David is in the midst of some serious difficulties some theologians even go as far as to suggest that the background to this psalm is the events of 2 Samuel 15 to 18 which I'm sure you all know what I'm referring to but I'll remind you just in case this is it describes a part of David's life where one of his sons Absalom tries to overthrow him David has to flee from Jerusalem, from his own son. There's a battle that ensues thousands of people lose their lives. The kingdom that God has entrusted David with, his own family, is tearing itself apart. In the midst of that, his own life is in danger. Ultimately, Absalom dies and David is heartbroken. Now, whether there's a direct historical overlap or not here, it doesn't, it's not really important. What's important is that we're getting to see into the heart of a man after God's own heart no stranger to the most difficult of circumstances and we're getting to see how he responds in you lord god i put my trust you see david knows he understands he's learned a very important truth he writes it down for us in psalm 40 verse 4 blessed is the one who trusts in the lord trust in the lord is the beginning of all our blessings but here's the rub Trusting God doesn't mean we will only experience blessings. I don't think you need me to tell you that. Sometimes there are situations and circumstances that will leave us feeling like David does in this psalm. Lonely, afflicted, with a troubled heart, anguished, surrounded by enemies, even hated by people. The message version of this psalm has the closing verse as this. It says, God, give your people a break. I doubt I'm alone in having prayed that from time to time. In all of our lives, we will experience challenges and difficulties, but remember this, acknowledging them, wrestling with them, being honest about them, doesn't mean we lack faith, not if we're bringing them to God. This psalm is the outworking of David bearing his heart before the Lord. He does it honestly, it's painfully, with all he's faith in. We could find other examples of this taking place throughout the Bible as well. Not all of them are from David, but I've I've got some here. This is Psalm three, six to seven. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me my God. Psalm twenty three, verse four Even though I walk through the valley of the even though I walk through the darkest valley, sorry, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Psalm 119, verse 61. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Psalm 138, verses 7 to 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. And then Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. There's others that I could have picked, but I picked those particular scriptures because of one word. Though. Though. You see, faith, trusting in God, as the psalmist is talking about here, means acknowledging our disappointments, means acknowledging our struggles, our setbacks, and all the other aspects of life that haven't necessarily panned out as we hoped with a though. Though things are difficult financially, I know God is my provider, and I can still be generous with what I've got. Though this might not have got a plan, I know that God is still on my side, though I can't see what's beyond this next step. I trust in you, Holy Spirit, to lead me and I'm going to move when you call me. A faith in Jesus is defined by those. It means a faith that isn't conditional on things going the way we would have liked them to. I hope you're following me with this. You see, when David's own son is leading part of his kingdom in an open rebellion against him, things aren't quite going the way David would have hoped, yet throughout this entire psalm, throughout all the words we have from King David, we see that his faith is defined by though. The problem is, we can very easily be tempted towards if. And when that happens, our faith becomes conditional on the results that we'd like to see. And let's, you know, for example, if things become less difficult financially, then I can be generous with what I've got and trust in God as my provider. If this all goes to plan, then I'll know that God is on my side. If I can see what the next five or six or ten steps look like, then I'll trust in the Holy Spirit to lead me. Do you see the difference? The problem with the faith that says if is that it makes our whole relationship with the living God who created the universe and holds it in his hands conditional on our agenda, not his. The logical opposite of i 'll trust God if I see this happen is i won 't trust God if i don 't a faith that says though means trusting God not for a particular outcome but trusting God with the outcome, whatever it may be, because we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. I want to challenge us, and I do you mean us I include me this morning where Wherever you are at the moment, whatever your situation, whatever your particular set of circumstances with its challenges, with its blessings, with the good and the not so good, does your faith say though or does it say if? Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. <clears throat> does, trusting, does your trust in God for something only begin when your ability to control it ends? Or does your trust in God extend to every aspect of your life? Philippians 4, 4-7. to Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you trust in God's leading, even if it's leading you way out of your comfort zone? Psalm 56, verse 3-4. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Do you trust God enough to put down the things that he's asked you to put down and to hold lightly to the, hold on lightly to the things that he's given you? Do you trust God enough to rejoice, to believe that he is good, even in the challenges and the difficulties? I want to read Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, does not put us to shame because God's, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us to shame. Paul in Romans is paraphrasing David's words from verse 3 of, of this psalm. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. In the midst of his troubles... David continues to trust God because he remembers that his hope is found in him. And he knows that that hope will be justified, that he won't be put to shame, he won't be disappointed, he won't see his hope in God go unfulfilled. These two key words that I've kind of picked up from the opening of the psalm, trust and hope, they go hand in hand. Here's a really important thing to know about hope, though. There is a difference between Something that I hope for, and something that my hope is in. You see, there are lots of things that I hope for, that I'm wanting, that I'm wishing, even that you know I'm hoping will happen with a degree of expectation. I really hope Warrington don't get relegated this season. I hope England win tonight. I really hope the kids' passports come back before we're due to go on holiday. God bless the passport office. See, the thing is, a week or two from now, I might have seen some of those hopes fulfilled. Or I might not have. Like you, I'm sure I have hopes, dreams, and expectations for the future. For my family's future. For the church's future. And those are things that I hold dearly that are precious to me. But years or decades from now, I might have seen some of them fulfilled. Or I might not. This is the key difference if my hope were only four things, then there will absolutely be times when my hope would be put to shame. Because they just wouldn't come to pass. There are doubtless things that you have hoped for, that you wanted to see happen. And there will be times when you've seen those hopes fulfilled. And there will be times when you've been disappointed. The hope we have in God, that we get to have in God, the hope that David's talking about in this psalm, isn't something that we hope for. It's what, it's who we get to put our hope in Lamentations three nineteen to twenty five. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed; for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Your Faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. When I hope for something, it's a hope that I'm sort of moving towards. And I may get there and see it fulfilled or I may get there and, and not see it fulfilled. And then that happens and then I move on to the next thing. And I may not see it fulfilled or I may see it fulfilled. No matter... And the the difference between something that I hope for, I hope you're understanding me with this, the difference between something that I hope for is that it may not be fulfilled. The hope that I have in God is that it will always be fulfilled. And it's not something that I'm hoping for to get to, it's something that I get to live from. It's It's a hope that sustains me, it's a hope that supports me, it's a hope that guides me and encourages me. Does that make sense? Oh, good. See, when our hope is in God, it doesn't matter whether the things that I want to see come to pass in my life do or don't. Because I have confidence, I have faith, I have hope in God because he is always good. Whether I live a long life that is full of good and wonderful things or whether my life is short and difficult, I have hope because I know as surely as, in fact, more surely than I have ever known anything that I will spend eternity with my king my hope is in that my hope is in jesus because my eternal future is assured because of what he did at the cross that's the hope we get to live from i know that no matter what comes my way in this world i never have to stand and face it alone and nor do you because our savior promised, never will i leave you never will i forsake you we have the fellowship and the comfort of the holy spirit all the days of our life that is the hope we get to live from whether the things I hope for come to pass or not, whether I see me God move powerfully like a rushing wind and move the mountain out of my way, or whether God comes to me as a gentle whisper and guides me and encourages me as I have to climb over the mountain, I know that whatever happens in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Don't mishear me. It's good. It's right to hope for things, to share those hopes with God. But some of those things... We put our hope in, will put us to shame. The hope we have in Christ will never put us to shame. 2 Corinthians four sixteen to 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal trust in God not with an if but with a though take confidence take heart and live not for the things that you hope for but from the hope we have in God show me your ways Lord teach me your paths guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my saviour and my hope is in you all day long The last thing I want to touch on from this psalm is this. See, David finds himself surrounded by all these troubles and challenges and difficulties, and it causes him to remember, to reflect on his own sin and all the ways he's fallen short. We use that acrostic for sin, don't we? Shove off God. I'm in charge, not my way. Not your way. Mine. But the word sin originally comes from archery. I'm sure you know this. It refers to an arrow that hasn't quite reached its target, that's fallen short. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. In the midst of his troubles, David does what most of us would do, I think. He can't help but see his own shortcomings. He can't help but be stuck on all the ways he's fallen short. He says, remember, Lord your great mercy and love for they are from of old do not remember my the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love remember me for you lord are good good and upright is the lord therefore he instructs sinners in his ways he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way all the ways of the lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant for the sake of your name lord forgive my iniquity though it is great Here's the thing I think we need to take away from this. David's troubles, David's failures, David's recognition of his own sin drives him not away from God, but towards him. We see the outworking of that in this psalm. Now, don't mishear that. Sin in and of itself will always drive us away from God. Not God away from us, us away from God. It will always try and get in between us. When we recognize, when we're convicted of when our sin, when we... We know that we've messed up when we recognise that that decision or that action that I've taken wasn't what God would have wanted for me we have a choice see sin will always want us to stay there in that moment, it will always want us to feel unworthy, unlovable because of what we've done, it will make us feel like somehow we've put ourselves beyond the love of God and we can choose to let our sin keep us there or we can do what David does And we can turn to God in the middle of the mess with whatever past or present burdens are weighing us down. David says, doesn't he, in the psalm, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, Lord, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. David knows that it is out of God's great love and that alone that sins are forgiven. When we approach God trusting and hoping in him, when we repent, and that means to turn away from sin and to turn back to God, we know that we are forgiven. Not because of anything that we've done or can do, but because of who God is. And in his great love, he doesn't remember our sins, but he remembers us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.